Local news. Sometimes it's hard to identify. Sometimes you know what it is right when you see it. But how is news gathered, crafted, and delivered? When a local TV station puts together a story that lasts a couple minutes, there is a process. But sometimes that process is more interesting than the story itself. We're going to tell you the behind the scenes little nuggets that don't make it to TV. We are bringing you the people on the front lines in the action in a different light. This is Jay Wallace. Welcome to K-View Off the Airwaves. TV, newspaper, radio. It doesn't matter the type of reporter you're talking about. Every position requires you to dig for information. It's a part of our job to make sure we research and learn about an issue before we talk or write about it. The journalists who take this to the next level? Well, those are investigative journalists. These are the folks who make sure people in power are held accountable, that you're not being taken advantage of, and that things in society are simply running smoothly. Today, we chat with a member of the KVU Defenders team about her journey into the world of investigative journalism. Joining me now is Erica Proffer, one of the investigative journalists at the station. And you're part of a two teams, kind of. You're part of the KVU team. You're part of the KVU Defenders team. What does that kind of day-to-day life look like? And uh, what does that mean to be a KVU Defender? It's fun being a KVU Defender. Yeah. I, I mean. It's a cool label. You know. It sounds cool. It would be nice if we all wore, like, some sort of. Jersey. Jersey. I was going to say Power Ranger suit. But. You, you know. <laughs> I think Jersey we know, sounds you know, better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Being an investigative journalist is just being really big nerd. <laughs> Being a nerd. It's being just a news being nerd. a big nerd <laughs> for me. And and I don't think of myself as a traditional investigative journalist. Maybe I am. Yeah. But what I am is, is a journalist. Mm-hmm. And I just like to go as deep and as wide as I can on a subject. And then learn all I can. And then figure out a way to take all of this knowledge right. and put it into, like, eighth grade understanding a lot of people that know me know i'm a movie buff i guess you could call it i don't know if that's the correct term but i watch a lot of movies i really like to look at it analytically and beyond that i've seen the i've watched the newsroom on tv i've seen the post seen spotlight and investigative journalism has really come to the forefront these past couple years big productions about investigative journalism and it's very dramatic. It's very theatrical. It's very intense. How close is that to what you are actually doing? The way it's edited? Sure. Spot on. <laughs> Spot on. <laughs> what they leave on the cutting room floor is all the real investigative journalism. Right. Because there are a lot of times that it's just mundane. I can see how these are, are appealing on TV. Because every story that we do, we start off as a novice. And by no means do I end up as an expert but I end up a little bit smarter about a subject and I'm able to take that little bit of knowledge and help others. And so you look at these movies, those are the rock star investigations. I mean, those are the investigations that have changed the world. So to speak in non-baseball terms, you know, I'm a just kind of news reporter you're an investigative reporter and so when i come into work every day it's kind of like what's going on this day it's kind of more um you come in you do your story that day and then you come back the next day and you do it all over again and sure sometimes you have longer form stories but that's different than you for people that might not know the difference between what does that even mean news reporter investigative reporter how does your day days differ from that i would say it's not much different it's just deeper So let's take, for example, there was a car wreck. 
a traditional, what we call general assignment right. reporter right. would go out, they would cover the car wreck, they would cover uh, who was impacted, they would cover how it happened. That's what I would do. Absolutely. Right. What I would look at are all of the other things that led up to it. Are signs properly marked? Are, are the roads lit? If it, if it went over a bridge, how, when was the bridge inspected? All of these things, I want to know what really happened and who all is responsible. Because if it's not what it appears on the surface, we may need to fix a systematic problem. And if that's the case, we need the whole community to come in behind this. Were you always investigative? No, I I wasn't always investigative. So my history began, oh gosh, let's see. When I graduated college, I took over a bureau in a small, small town called Ozark, Alabama. Ozark, Alabama. You know, it it was right where I grew up. Uh-huh. I I worked at the TV station that was the local TV station in town, mm-hmm. um, and I went from being a bureau reporter to then being an anchor. And I remember a hurricane was coming up the Gulf, and it was going to hit Panama City, which was the nearest beach, is about an hour and a half away. And it was going to hit in the morning, and I was the morning news anchor. And I remember uh, we were gathered around the table, and the news director says, "Okay, who wants to go to the coast?" Who wants to be that reporter there along the coast? I was the only one to raise my hand, and I'm, like, jumping up and down. You wanted to go to the action. Can I go to the action? And the news director said, I know you want to go. Put your hand down. It's going to hit in the morning. We need you on the desk. Oh, at the desk to anchor. Because we need to talk about school closures and power outages and things like that. And at that point, I said, oh, no, I'm, I'm in the wrong position. It clicked at that moment. At at least for that time. For that time, I needed to be in the field. So at that point, that's when I started saying, okay, um, if I want to grow, I need to to go back into the field in a a regular basis. I I got a job working along the border. And when I I took that job along the border, I never thought I would be there. I never thought I would go to the Rio Grande Valley in South Texas. When I was on my interview... I got the feeling, the nudge that I needed to be there. And I, I, I go with my gut. I looked up and I said, okay, if I really need to be here along the border, so far away from my family, so far away from the rest of the United States, I mean, <laughs> surrounded by land, yeah. give me a sign. And at that very moment, there was a literal sign that said, Oh, come on. If you want to get the fruit, you must go out on a limb. Where was this sign? What was it? It was on a marquee, like in front of, I don't know, a church or a restaurant or something. Right. And and I laughed. And I was like, really, God? I needed a literal sign? (laughs) So serendipitous. I know. So, but 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 I took it. I asked for a sign. I got a literal sign. And I said, okay, this is where I needed to be. You moved to KVU right before me. We both got here towards mid to late 2016, what attracted you to coming to either Austin or KVU? Um, what was the decision process there? I had been coming to Austin a lot. Uh, yeah. I was doing triathlons and obstacle course racing, and all of that is what led me to Austin. Interesting. <laughs> nothing to do with Not it. Not related to work. <laughs> nothing related to work. <laughs> I, I came up here for pure pleasure. So I love Austin. I, I love the vibe of the city. When I'm not at work, I'm out on a trail. What attracted me to Caveview is what attracted me to Tegna. And for anyone who doesn't know, Tegna is our parent company, right? right? Who we work for. Right. And what they do and what Caveview does is let's do things differently. And, and that is so attractive. It's 
we have this amazing product, this amazing uh, platform, this, uh, this amazing way to connect a community. We have this amazing tool that we can use to come together to either fix problems, to help each other out. Um, so let's tell this in creative ways. Sure. Let's do things like a podcast. Yeah. You know, and and that is what I said. I want to I want to sign up for be that. part of that. If I can take investigative journalism and tell it in a creative way, then it can stick. And that's how we make impact. Telling all these facts and going deeper and it, it means absolutely nothing if it doesn't connect. Right. You know. A part of this podcast is talking about and digging into what doesn't make air, the stuff behind the scenes, right? And investigative journalism, there's a heck of a lot of stuff that's not going on air, and sometimes it never will. Because with the general assignment reporting, you kind of see the end goal. You kind of know what that story is going to be for the most part. But with you, sometimes you're digging and you don't know where you're going. And sometimes it doesn't lead anywhere. Sometimes it leads to something big. There's a little bit of uncertainty that goes into what you do, right? Oh, absolutely. All the time. I mean, there are so many things that that we will dig into and investigate. And ultimately, we have to run it through this filter as to how does this impact anyone on the other end of the television right. set, do right? Do people care? Do people care? How can this impact and improve people's lives? And if there isn't, then there isn't a story. You know, a part of investigative journalism is documents, is numbers, is a lot of things that can get boring. But like you said, you try to be creative. So what are ways when you have all of this information and statistics and stuff you need to get to the viewer, how do you make that creative? A lot of my time would be considered boring. Sure. I'm looking through an Excel spreadsheet. I'm reading through court documents. I'm having to go through mounds and mounds of paperwork. And you're trying to find that anomaly or right or something that sticks out. Right. A lot and, of the time. And I'm having to digest a lot of information. And for a lot of people, they would say, oh, dear God, that is so boring. <laughs> but for me, it's it's thrilling mm-hmm. because I'm learning. Right. And so the, the way I go about it is I want to soak in as much knowledge as I can about the subject. And then, then... After I get the understanding, then it's, okay, how can I tell this creatively? So it may look like a YouTube video. Mm -hmm. It may look like a Facebook Live. It may look like an animation. It may look like some sort of, you know, special effects editing of documents in front of uh, things that we can connect with as as far as the subject. What's a specific example of being creative in this way we're talking about student loan debt so i have a lot of numbers i have a lot of companies that are that are facing prosecution and i have to tell people why they need to listen a tenth of austin may be impacted by this so it is a big deal yeah how can i get people to care we started off the story with an animation with comparing what we are facing to a mountain we are in a mountain of debt so I mean, it is a cartoon, an animation of what's going on. And I told that whole story in the first minute. More than 100,000 Austinites have student loan debt, according to marketing data distribution firms. And so that worked. To me, it was great. And, And it was collaboration on all levels, right? Throughout the pieces, I was very frustrated because 
all I had are a whole lot of documents. Yeah. And it's how do I tell this story of lawsuits and numbers. Without just showing sheets of paper. Right. And I showed a lot of sheets of paper. I, I told this to one of the producers. I said, I have got to get more creative with showing paper because all of my stories show paper. Investigative journalists frequently need a lot of time to dig into a topic. They also need plenty of resources and manpower. The KV Defenders work together and build off each other's strengths to create well-rounded, well-informed stories, so your problems can get the attention they deserve. The Defenders Uncovered Austin has given away more than $36 million the last three years. Terry Gruca, she is fantastic at looking at consumer things. So she takes a lot of money issues, and, and what she says is, is she likes to do stories that she can relate to as a mother. Has that personal um, connection to it. Right. I want to walk people through what some of those dynamics are. Number one. Tony is, is great because Tony works. Tony you know, Platsky. Right. So Tony works in a way that he is very um, ingrained. You can tell how much he loves the city and he wants the city yeah. to run smoothly. And so he's telling those investigative stories nearly on a daily basis. Yeah. I mean, he is out he there. He cranks them out. Hustling. The sheriff denied our request for an interview. So the defenders did our own investigating. So Mike Rush is one of our defenders who takes a lot of these, what we call quick turn tips. It's it's immediate problems that need an immediate solution and, and these impact consumers. So let's say it was his story dealing with um, rats in an apartment complex. The upstairs is off limits. There are two bedrooms up here, but mom won't let the kids come up because look along the hallway here, evidence. You know, that may not be a systematic up. issue. That may not be across all apartment complexes in Austin. It can be, and we can talk about a systematic issue, but he looks at that immediate fix. What does that person, that viewer need right now? Yep. One of my favorite stories, and I, I shouldn't play favorites, but one of my favorite stories, and, and the reason why I'll explain, was how we were able to help a veteran get a ramp at his house. And his name is Marco. And Marco had been fighting the VA for years. I believe it was seven years. Wow. And he called us because he was frustrated because he kept getting the runaround. And when we tried, we got the runaround. Marco Martinez is in pain every single day. He needs a way to get from his car to his door. This is the sidewalk, a ramp, a lift, anything. And we put a story out there and the community stepped up. And so for me, when, when I look at investigative journalism and my role as the defenders, I am helping people in the community. And I can't do it alone. So when a tip comes in, Let's say we get a, a viewer submission. One of those things that air on our newscast that says, if you have a story for the defenders and you would like to help, you know, email them or give them a phone call. Right, you get those a lot of ways. Sometimes it's an email, a phone right. call, a lot of different ways. You submit on it online, Facebook. whatever it is. Right. When we get those tips, we have an executive producer, Joe Ellis. Joe Ellis is the person who takes these tips and then helps 
us start digging in that shovel to say, okay, what's going on? How many people can be impacted by this? Because it's important to note that whatever is happening, we need to look at it as how can this be happening to others and how can a story help a lot of people? And I would I would love to be you know one of those reporters that help uncover something and make things better on a big national broad scale like that. But I'm also satisfied knowing that I helped a veteran get a ramp. After a KVU Defenders investigation, contractors are installing a vertical lift for veteran Marco Martinez. The Defenders uncovered how departments within the VA did not communicate with each other effectively. Bad paperwork made delays mount. After our story, people from the community offered to help, but the VA stepped up and fixed the problem this weekend. I helped a veteran get a ramp installed at his house who had been fighting the VA for seven years. But it took us airing that story and then viewers seeing it, stepping up, saying, if the VA won't help, I will. I'm a contractor. What do I have to do? And to that veteran, that veteran that needed that ramp, that was more important to him than, than any scandal that is on a national scale because he couldn't get in his house. Yeah. So for me, those stories are just as important because those are really impacting people's lives. Does it motivate you when you see that and you see what ended up happening through that investigation? Absolutely, but I also recognize those kinds of impacts happen on a personable level too. So let's take that big scandal that, that changed the, the way things work, whatever it is, and then let's take a story where we just help one person solve their one problem. There's a saying, yeah. and I'm going to butcher it. Completely butcher it. Give it a shot. It's a person cares more about their toothache than the famine in China. And when you think of it in that sort of context, schema, right? That, that sort of yeah. context. If we can make impact in people's lives in one person at a time, right? Then we can impact the world. Erica might not have realized it at the time, but her experience working along the border suddenly went from a part of her history to a foundation for the present. On our next episode, we're going to ride shotgun with Erica and learn about her treacherous but meaningful trip across the border. That's next week on KVU Off the Airwaves. Hey, if you like what you heard on KVU Off the Airwaves, check out our daily newscasts, Daybreak from 4.30 to 7, Midday at 11, KVU News at 5 and 6, The Night Beat at 10, and anytime on KVU.com.